the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. All right, Craig, thank you. 506 on the Central Coast. It's Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. I'm looking at the headlines in the Washington Post online just to follow up on Joe Brittingham's visit. Dow Jones hits an all-time high as investors cheer progress on inflation. The other headline, as ABC News just reported, House Republicans vote to formalize Biden impeachment inquiry. Buckle up. Here we go again. Uh, this hour, always good to be in conversation with Rich, our man in Mexico, though sometimes he's in Morro Bay. I reached out to Rich because there's we seem to be at a crossroads in terms of Ukraine. Um, as uh, Rich will explain here, there are those Republicans in Congress who don't want us to increase any kind of uh, financial support for Ukraine unless it's tied to increased spending on the border. And that has led to a breakdown in talks uh, between the two sides. Uh, why am I talking when Rich is with us? Rich, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Good to be here. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm just trying to keep up with the head-spinning pace of the latest news. It seems like 2024, we're going to be in for quite the roller coaster ride. Yeah, I agree. But at least we've got some good economic news here. I don't want to make this conversation about Biden impeachment, but since that's the breaking news, I'd like a comment from you. Well, I mean, it seems like it was in the cards. It's been since the House took over, you know, the Republicans took over the House. You know, all the Republican leadership were riling up the base, saying it was coming. You know, vote for us, give us the House, this is what we'll do. Kevin McCarthy, I think, slowed that down a little bit. And uh, I think the new Republican speaker, after McCarthy's now gone, realizes that that's basically raw political meat that the base wants. They think they have some things worth investigating. So here we go. We're going to go into this again. I. I don't know that we're going to see a presidency that doesn't have some type of an impeachment inquiry. I think that's just the new normal now of our politics. Yeah, I agree. So uh, realistically, uh, Biden is not going to be impeached. The The votes aren't there in the Senate. I'm, I don't even know if they're there in the House. But isn't this more to have hearings and get the dirt out there in public and try to affect the presidential campaign? Oh, yeah, I think it's undoubtedly about that. I mean, I don't think anyone believes a Senate that's controlled by the Democratic Party, even if there was smoking gun financial evidence, is going to impeach President Biden. I think from a Republican strategy standpoint, it makes sense to get the bad optics out there going into the 24 election. You know, say, tell the base, hey, look, we told you we would investigate it. We did. We decided after the investigation to let the voters decide in 2024. But now you have all this info we uncovered. And then they, I predict the House doesn't even vote to impeach him, even though it's controlled by Republicans. 
they just want to say we, in, we investigated them, look at all this stuff we found, now it's up to the voters to go to the polls. Yeah. All right. So now in terms of Ukraine, you and I haven't talked in a while, so let me just kind of test the waters here with you, sir. We're almost two years in. In terms of Ukraine, we've invested billions of dollars in this. As uh, as an American, as a bona fide conservative, do you want us to keep continuing spending money on Ukraine? Uh, I think we've spent all we can. I, I think now what I don't want to do is just stop funding altogether, because I think that that would be a little foolish just from a geopolitical strategy standpoint. Once again, the United States would say we're going to support something like, you know, we, we do all around the world. And then when the American public grow tired of it, we cut and run, so to speak, like we kind of did in Afghanistan in some ways. But I'm not for another $60 billion, you know, with no strings attached. We've already spent $160 billion in less than two years. And to put that into some type of historical perspective, the Marshall Plan to rebuild Europe after World War II, in today's dollars, the U.S. spent $200 billion. So if we give this $60 billion, we're a $220 billion into Ukraine, which is more money in today's dollars than we spent to rebuild Europe. I'm just not sure America has the money for this pace of spending. And then on a parallel note, what about support for Israel? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I think we have to support them. There again, just like we have to support Ukraine with some financial help, we have to support Israel. It's the same type of reasons. The American credibility, I think, is on the line when you rattle your saber and say we're with you. But then all of a sudden, when the going gets tough, you know, we, we run away. The, the world has learned that lesson before. That's what provokes strong men and dictators around the world to think that we won't stand up for our friends or our allies around the world. Even though I'm tired of spending the money, I also realize some of it has to be spent, even if we're just going to print it without the intent of ever paying it back. So then let's connect the dots. Why are some, well, actually many Republicans in Congress, trying to tie funding for Ukraine specifically to the situation on the Mexico border? I think it goes to what you're seeing. You know, we talked about 2024 being an election year. And let's, let's ask ourselves, as you know, realistically, what have the Republican House, what have they done to make the base of the Republican Party happy that they took control of the House? I don't have a list. I'm a conservative, more libertarian these days, but I'd call myself a Republican. I don't know of many things to get excited about. We know the border's out of control. We know Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis is 50-50 on Ukraine. I think he supports it more, but he knows the base is going more towards a Donald Trump style. Yes, you know, we'll support them, but we got to get this money down. So the Republicans are looking at this saying, look, it, it's a Potomac two-step. We're, we're going to give them money. But in, in trade for giving them money, we have to be able to say we got something for it from a political perspective. The GOP, we're right back to 2016 again, where the border's out of control. Everyone kind of knows it, whether, whatever degree you want to assign it. 
something needs to happen. So the GOP is trying to get some political favors and political strategy out of tying these two together. So what uh, can you explain what exactly the conservatives want on the border? Do they want more money? What, what, what well, is it they want this, from this Biden? Is actually the, this is actually the problem in your one little question, because they're, they're giving more funding. They want funding for border enforcement. But as we've seen happen, and as, as the GOP knows, if you don't specifically earmark that money for certain tasks, the money that they give to the border, is it going to go for more border guards to stop illegals from crossing into the country? It's going to go for money to process asylum seekers and send them from the border as refugees to different states around the country, which is exactly what the GOP doesn't want. So I haven't seen a coherent strategy of what sending more money to the border when, frankly, Biden and his administration controls it. I don't know what that's actually going to do. But what it has done thus far is that it's kind of stalled the talks and Ukraine's not getting the money that they need. I'm sure Israel isn't getting all the money that they need because this is all being tied up because now of a debate on the border. Yeah, I think it I think it highlights the dysfunction that we, you know, it's the dysfunction started in the Trump years and could be argued it went back further than that. But, you know, in the end at the end of the day, Ukraine's going to get money. The border may or may not. And even if money goes to the border, there's not a conservative I know that believes with Mayorkas as the Homeland Security Secretary and Biden as president, any meaningful changes are going to happen. But the Republicans have to make a show or how do they motivate their voters to get out and vote for them? Because we always believe they will tell us one thing and won't do it anyway. So if they don't at least fight for it a little bit, then, you know, why show up anymore? And obviously, if we're talking about the border and Hunter Biden, we're not talking about abortion, which is not Correct. a winning which is not a winning issue for Republicans. Right. No, it's not a winning issue right now in a lot of states, especially with the Texas Supreme Court, you know, overturning the the lady that had an unviable pregnancy. And they said, no, she couldn't have an abortion when the the, the baby would probably either be born dead or not survive things like that are agreed to on with most people that that's when abortion whether you support it or not it's kind of an exception like a rape or an incest where most people kind of think that that would be an acceptable you know time for an abortion but it also this argument also takes away from other things that joe would and his administration would rather not talk about some of the economic you know, conditions of the country, even though you get a spattering of decent news, anyone that's been to the grocery store or gas station knows that it's uh, very difficult for the middle class right now. Gas prices in Slow County are down closer to $4 now. Our, our gas prices are coming way down. Yeah, no, but they're still up from when Biden took office. And as the economy slows down, it's quite natural for gas prices to go down as well. All right, we got a lot to talk about. Rich is back with us explaining to us why certain Republicans in Congress are trying to link the Mexican-U.S. border situation to funding for Ukraine and Israel. We'll pick up that conversation. Your phone call still to come. This is AM 920, FM 96.5, News Talk, KVEC. 
All right, we're welcoming your phone calls for Rich after news at the bottom of the hour. Always uh, good to be in conversation with Rich as he explains to us why Republicans are trying to link support in Ukraine and Israel to the situation on the border. As we're back with you, Rich, share with us the uh, poll you were telling me about earlier, please. Yeah, so it's a PBS NewsHour poll, and it shows that out of the respondents, 16% think we should only fund Ukraine, 15% think we should only fund Israel, 32% think we should only or fund both, but the big number here is 36% say we should fund neither. So that takes us right into presidential politics season of each party finding out where their base and voters are at, and more importantly, where are those voters in the middle who aren't hardcore Republicans or Democrats, where are they at on this war funding? Because they're going to, like they always do, decide the election. Well, it's like both the American voter and the American media seem to have a short attention span. Once the horrific tragedy happened on October 7th in Israel, we stopped talking about Ukraine by and large. A whole focus of the media shifted to Israel and Gaza and Hamas. And Ukraine's like, hey, well, what about us? Meanwhile, Americans, I think they seem to be, hey, yes, we got to fight Putin. We got to fight communism. So let's support Ukraine. But I don't think they expected two years later, Rich, that we still be fighting the war. No, and some of that is the mess. Because if you remember when when Russia first went into Ukraine, I think it was universal. You, You wouldn't find a voice of opposition for the U.S., standing with Ukraine and doing everything we could. And then remember last summer, we were told there was going to be this summer offensive and the tide would turn. I think there's two things going on. We're getting war-weary. We're getting spending on war-weary. But we're also not believing the prognosticators that are telling us another $60 billion and it's all going to be okay because, you know, things don't happen in a vacuum. We were in Afghanistan for 20 years. And it's, it's just the same now, as I, some would argue, as when we would went in. Now, it's not the same to compare Israel, Af- Ukraine, and Afghanistan and the, as if they're all the same. But, you know, there's generations of Americans who have been born and are, have grown up where the U.S. has either been at war or heavily funding wars around the world. And I think people are just getting tired of it when they look around and say, hey, I'm having a tough time affording rent and food. You know, can't we care a little bit at home, which I think honestly plays right into Trump's America first style campaign, which we're going to see revving up here soon. So if Trump were to be reelected, what do you think would happen to Ukraine? Well, there's a difference between, I think, what Trump says, because remember, Trump and I do believe that the chances would have been less for Putin to invade Ukraine if Trump would have won instead of Biden, or if we wouldn't have had our Afghanistan pullout scenario. But that's just speculation. What we, what we do know is Trump said he would end the war in 24 hours. I don't think anyone really believes that. What I do think is that Trump would have the ability to go in and say, listen, we don't like what you did, Russia, 
Ukraine. You're not going to get to keep all of your territory. That's just the way it's going to be. There's going to be peace. And there's going to be peace because we're going to drive you to the peace table because the only thing keeping you alive right now is the U.S. dollar going there. Because the U.S. has funded 46% of Ukraine's war effort. Europe and other countries have funded the remaining balance. So without the U.S. dollar, Ukraine crumbles tomorrow. And I think Trump would say, you're going to sign a peace treaty or we're going to pull our money out because we can't continue this funding. Yeah, but then how do they ensure that the peace treaty is favorable to Ukraine? Oh, I don't think it's going to be favorable to Ukraine. I think that's why they haven't went to a peace yet, because Ukraine's going to have, they want Crimea back that was taken in 2014. That's not going to happen. Ukraine's going to lose Crimea. They're going to lose some of the Donbass area which Russia has taken now in this latest war. But I don't think Ukraine's going to have a choice, not just financially. There's not many men left to fight in Ukraine. The average conscript military age is up in the 40s right now. They've lost a generation of young men, and I don't see many European countries signing up to go to war with Russia on behalf of Ukraine. I know the U.S. doesn't plan on it. Yeah, but isn't can't Russia say the same thing in terms of the loss of men, the loss of younger oh, men? Oh, yeah, they've lost, U.S. intelligence experts say they've lost about 315,000 Russians. I mean, this has not been without a loss for Russia, and in some ways a black eye for Russia, because, you know, here's the big Russian army, being held off by this little, you know, country called Ukraine. But in truth, it's the West's weapons helping hold them off. But I just don't see this going on forever. And I think everyone realizes that. And the smart money is on some type of negotiated peace deal where Ukraine gives away some of their territory. I understand why that doesn't sound good, but I don't think there's any other realistic way out. All right. We have no way out. We've got to go to news and traffic and weather. And we'll take your phone calls and read your text messages to Rich as he explains why there is growing American doubt and opposition to our involvement in Ukraine. You're listening to Hometown Radio. You have landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Uh, Rich, our man in uh, Mexico, is joining us, explaining to us why uh, Republicans in Congress are trying to link any possible future funding, particularly for Ukraine, but also for Israel, and tied into increased uh, financial support at the U.S.-Mexico border. We also commented briefly on the big uh, national news story that the House is going to formalize an impeachment inquiry. And uh, Rich is also explaining to us the difference between Trump versus Biden in terms of responding to this issue. If you want to join us, please do 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Rich, back with you. We have uh, someone texting in. Uh, let me just rephrase this. They're, they don't buy your statistic that over 300,000 Russian soldiers have been killed. Um, 
They claim that the government is lying to us about everything with Ukraine. What do you say to them? Well, I mean, I, I, there is a slight correction. It's 315,000 casualties, so that's dead or severely injured where they had to leave the battlefield. So that, that makes it, well, I, I guess it makes it better, but it's still a lot of people. Now, I agree. I, I, ever since, you know, the last few years, I, I don't, and I've probably been proving myself right where the first news that comes out, I wait a week before I believe it because there's the headline, the, the hype, and then we start hearing, well, you know, all the qualifiers and, well, maybe that's not exactly true. Maybe Trump didn't grab the steering wheel of the presidential limo. You know, it's just I, I've kind of I'm a little more media savvy now or I don't believe the first out of the box narrative. I wait until I kind of hear a little more the other side. All right, let's take a call. We've got uh, Paul in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Paul. Hey, Paul. Hello, Dave. Hello, Rich. Hi, Paul. Boy, we've come a long ways from the days of Reagan to where now we have a, a president, a Democratic president, who's standing up to Russian aggre- aggression. And we have commentators in Russia who are praising the Republican Party for, for shutting off or threatening to shut off funding to uh, a country that they illegally invaded. Is there a question here, Paul? Well, that's that's an observation, and you know, well, I, I think, think it's true, not true that, observation. Yeah, and this is this is what the other thing that that I you know, uh, Rich was talking about Israel and and uh, the Ukraine and, and our interests, and actually, I think we probably have more strategic interests in the Ukraine and and. Uh, funding that conflict than we probably do in Israel. Uh, what's going on in Israel, you know, uh, it's always been, you know, kind of, I know they're the only democracy there in the, in the Middle East, and they're our ally, and there needs to be a homeland for them. But Netanyahu is, is a Yahoo and, and a fascist, and he has uh, completely botched that whole thing, you know, with uh, from from day one. I mean, from the response to the invasion to what's going on now. But the Ukraine is a is a whole different thing. I mean, they were illegally invaded. Russia has has committed war crimes there. Uh, the and to kind of downplay. You know, I think Rich is right on his percentages as far as how we're funding them. But per capita, NATO, our European countries are funding that war uh, 20 times more than we are per capita. Yeah. Well, let me slow, slow you down there for a second, Paul. Rich, what about Paul's observation about Netanyahu? Do you agree? Uh, I think Netanyahu is, is definitely, you know, has faults. Just like, you know, everyone over in the Middle East, the reason we don't have any peace deal over there, nor will we. But my, my problem with Russia's situation is that I'm trying to do what conservatives didn't do and, and think multiple moves ahead when we cheerleaded the Iraq invasion, the Afghanistan war. I'm trying to say, hey, that, we screwed up. 
So what's the, what's the long-term plan for Putin and Russia? Because if you think we're just going to defeat Russia and push them back, they view NATO ex- expansion as an existential threat. So they have nuclear weapons. So am I willing to sacrifice Ukraine and Ukraine's sovereignty so that there isn't a worldwide nuclear war? Absolutely I am. Yeah. Now, that may not be the position I'd like to stand up and say I support, but after what I saw for the last 20 years from the U.S.'s military stances around the world, I think most Americans are tired. We're tired of the never-ending military-industrial complex, and someone has to say, how do we stop it? Let's go back to Paul. Giving away land is better than another half million people dead. Yeah, Paul? Yeah, well... I appreciate that your your point of view there, Rich. Uh, I I agree with some of what you said. Um, you know, especially after the foolish Afghanistan invasion. But we're not invading anybody in this instance. Russia invaded a sovereign country, and it's an illegal war that they're conducting. And we're not. So far, we haven't. Com- not one soldier of ours has died in that conflict. Uh-huh. And, that, that's and, not true. And the only way that Putin can win that war is if we withdraw support. Yeah. That's the only way he's going to win. All right, if, Paul. If we withdraw support. I'm glad you called. Thank you. You were going to follow up and say what to Paul? Well, I don't think it, American troops have been training Ukrainians, and we've actually had some special forces that have been killed there in the training process. But I, I go back to this question what's the end game? Yes, if we remove our support, Ukraine collapses. And are, but that means they don't collapse. They're forced to the peace negotiation table, and you save hundreds of thousands of lives. I think that's Trump's position that I've heard him articulate. And I think if anyone thinks Russia's going to be pushed back to their original borders, you're just not being realistic. Ukraine doesn't have the manpower, and the West doesn't have a never-ending money stream to send over there to the Ukrainian conflict. All right, we go to uh, Mark in San Luis. Hey, Mark. Hey, gentlemen. Hey, Mark. So I, I understand, Rich, the the you know the money supply and stuff. I'm a conservative. I'm not a Trump fan. But uh, what at what point though you, you're going to make a deal with Putin? And he's proven himself to be rational. He's a dictator. He kills everyone that opposes him. So it kind of reminds us, and, and I, it reminds me Adolf Hitler. I remember when they appeased him with Czechoslovakia, the next day he invaded France. So, I mean, there's the guarantees there are so slim. Um, we're spending 5% yeah, of our defense budget right now on that war and depleting Russia of huge amounts of armor, and their prestige is gone, and their economy is slowly collapsing over time because... They've lost like three hundred to four hundred thousand of their young people have fled the countries to avoid the draft. Um, uh, try going to Bali right now. There's thirty thousand young Russians living there. Um, so anyway, I just think I, I'm not sure uh, what the right answer is on this whole thing. Well, that that's the difficult part because you know there's that expression of the devil. You know, nobody likes Putin. You know, he's a dictator. He's a murderer. He's a thug. He's everything bad that we don't like on the West. 
you know, but he's everything we've supported in other countries around the world because it led to stability. Yes, it was an ugly stability, but what happens post-Putin? Are the hardliners in Russia just all of a sudden going to realize, oh, we've all made a mistake? Or are we going to be in a worse situation? Because now we've driven Russia and China together. We've created another competing financial system to the U.S. petrodollar, which is directly going to affect the U.S.'s stature in the world financially. There's so many other periphery effects that I just think there's too much raw, raw, Putin bad. Putin helped Trump get elected in 2016. So our friends on the left have to hate Putin and want him to be killed and taken out. But they're not thinking of what happens the day after Putin gets killed and taken out. Yeah. What else, Mark? Uh, a lot of variables. Just very quickly on the border, uh, Richard, was my understanding it's not so much money that the Republicans are, are pursuing major policy changes in the way we deal with the border completely. And, that, and that's really the huge holdup. In, um, uh, and the, the Republicans have to show something. They, I mean, the Congress, the House of Representatives looks like a perpetual clown show. And they, at some point, they're going to have to walk away with some kind of win. Anyway, that's uh, kind of interesting. Mark, thank you. And you were arguing that earlier in the hour, Rich, is that a lot of the stuff that's taking place is that the Republicans running into 2024 have to show something to their constituents. Oh, no, it's exactly true. But I'm also a realist. There's nothing that they can show besides posturing, because no, there is no border reform policy that the Republicans can vote on that will pass the Senate and get the signature of the Biden administration. So, you know, and this is classic Republican strategy. Set up a, set up a goal and go after something that there is no winnable scenario for from day one, Get everyone excited. Get your get the podcasters on the right and everyone riled up. But then it's just a loser in the end, and they're going to fold. So I would rather they not even go down this road of, of you know, theater. All right. Uh, Rich is with us. We'll come back for a final segment as we take the pulse about whether or not we should be continuing to support Ukraine. And do we link it at all to what's happening at the border? We'll look at California's ever-increasing budget deficit during the 6 o'clock hour. We're in our final segment with Rich, joining us from Mexico. Explain to us why Republicans in Congress are trying to link future funding for Ukraine to increased uh, funding for the border situation. And also, what do we do about Israel? If you want in on this conversation, we need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Uh, Rich, we have talked a lot about uh, uh, Trump and your thoughts that if Trump were to come back, he would insist that there be peace talks. He would try to get Russia and Ukraine to the table. Contrast that with Biden. What is it that the Biden administration is offering as a long-term solution to Ukraine? Well, well, I think that's part of the, the, na- the national problem we're having here is that there hasn't been a clear articulation of what the end game goal is. Now, obviously, I think everyone would think, and the Biden administration would default to Putin return 
every bit of illegally stolen land. Okay, well, that sounds good, but I don't think there's any adult in the room or political analyst that thinks that's going to happen. So barring that, the strategy seems to be every four to six months, go back to Congress for another 60, 40, 100 billion dollars, and that money just flows over there, and then we hear about the waste, we hear about the graft and the corruption. You know, we all want Russia kicked out of Ukraine. The, pr- the problem is, how much money is it going to take to get there? And if we spend that amount of money, does it ever actually happen anyway? Right. I think the, that's why the people are starting to grow unhappy, because both Republicans and Democrats, I think, agree this is a disaster. And there isn't an easy way out. All right, let's uh, talk to George in Santa Margarita. Hey, George. Hello, Dave. I'd like to take a different take on this. Sure. In my opinion, I feel if the United States is to get involved in disagreements between other franchises around the world, uh, if we're going to get involved, we send soldiers. We don't send money. Could you hear that, Rich? Oh, I did. He's saying, you know, send soldiers rather than money. And I, I would add to that, then soldiers of politicians instead of the working class, and then would have a whole different foreign policy. George, why would you send soldiers instead of money? Because what's happening in this country, everybody in this whole country is suffering a little bit. Uh, and well, we, we're creating an infection by using money as a way to solve a problem. Uh, if, if, if we feel there's a real problem, we should go take care of it. If not, we just stay out of it and let the, let, let the cookies fall. I mean, this has been going on for thousands of years. And uh, I personally don't think we should sacrifice this country uh, and put ourselves in uh, financial straits and while we're being invaded by another country ourselves. All right, we'll talk about that, George. Thanks for weighing in. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. How do you respond to George, Rich? You know, I think George represents a big portion of Republicans and Democrats who are just frustrated that the priorities of Washington, D.C. don't seem to be the American people from either party, but they're willing to send, you know, $200 billion overseas for to help borders and border security of another country that was invaded. When they look to the southern border and see 100,000 deaths from fentanyl a year coming in from the southern border, yet we seem to can't get our act together to, to solve that problem in any meaningful way. But is the increase in funding in Israel and Ukraine coming at the expense of border ex- budgeting? Well, in, in the... It, that's, it's a yes and a no to that question, because our, our spending has not been linked to our revenue from taxes for generations now. We just print it. But I think there's a growing sense that the reason we had this inflation over the last few years since COVID is that we've printed too much money. So we are selling away the treasure of future generations to send overseas when I would rather not spend that money and if you do spend it, spend it on the people here in the United States. Which is what the Republicans are arguing for in the 2024 presidential campaign. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I listen to, I mean, Trump's not on the stage, but when I listen to 
DeSantis and Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy, I mean, they're pretty hardcore against the Republican establishment, I think, who's represented up there on the stage by Nikki Haley, you know, who basically hasn't, you know, there's no war funding she wouldn't like, but that's not where the Republican base is anymore. We're not interested in, and like I said earlier, we've kind of learned our lesson in this. Everything's not fixed by funding a war or causing a war we would do a little bit better looking for other solutions. I think it would be wise for President Biden to speak to the nation and lay down the the points that, okay, at, at when we reach this level, this is when we would consider a victory. The, we spend this much money, this is what we're hoping to accomplish. Because even though I support our efforts in Ukraine, I have to wonder, okay, how much longer, how much more money where what's the end game yeah i mean if if the end game is russia going back to its original pre-war borders it i think we will be spending money indefinitely then at this point because i don't see that happening as ukraine gets weaker from a war fighting perspective it's it you the money won't solve the problem because there's no people to fire the weapons we're sending let's take another call we've got scott with us on kvec hi scott (laughs) Hello, Dave. Hey, Scott. Can you guys hear me? Hi, okay. yeah. I think yeah, it's just yep. Hello, Rich. Um, well, listen, Rich, I'm, I'm the 36% that says no funding Ukraine, period. And my answer, uh, my answer why is because we pushed NATO um, uh, on Poland in 1999. That was the first country that violated our agreement uh, with Russia not to expand NATO, and that was an agreement of March 8, 1991. Uh, and we promised, and we violated that promise. Today, there's 14 countries in the NATO alliance, and we took a we took a weak country that asked us for security guarantees, and we violated that. Um, I don't want to go into further discussions of Ukraine because that's more of a Dr. Armstead uh, conversation. But I can tell you that I've been listening to people that are being interviewed um, uh, in Democratic cities and asking people on the streets how they feel about Biden and Trump. Um, presidency, and I'm hearing people that are Democrats are going to vote for Trump. So, uh, Rich, I got a question. Do you think um, there's a chance that um, this could be another Reagan uh, Walter Mondale election where Reagan and, and you know, where he swept 49 states and Mondale only got one? Well, let me point out the new NPR uh, Maris poll today showed that Biden is actually ahead of Trump by a point. Now, granted, that's within the margin of error. But go ahead and respond, Rich. Yeah, because, you know, and I I agree with your points about NATO. I think NATO and the expansion of NATO is what ultimately caused Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But that's that's almost like a whole other show. But I think the the reality is that the national polls don't matter. And we know that from the Electoral College. You know, Biden, you know, Biden, who won Michigan, Trump's now up 10. Now, do I believe 10? No, maybe it's three. But a lot of these battleground states that Biden won are now showing Trump up above the margin of error. Of course, everything could change. We're a year out. We're a year out. I don't expect Biden to be the nominee. Who do you think is going to be the nominee? Kamala Harris. I think Biden will have to bow out. For health reasons, once I, I just don't see it because he can't beat Trump, in, in my estimation. 
Oh, I think he can beat Trump. What do you think, Scott? Uh, uh, Biden? Oh, come on. you got to be kidding me. Listen, Rich, uh, curiosity, did you see the interview with um, I got 30 seconds. I got 30, 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Uh, okay. Uh, Tucker Carlson and uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., if you saw that interview or you didn't, I would recommend you see it because yeah. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. talks about this whole conflict and Russia and Ukraine and uh, the NATO alliance. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Have you seen it, Rich? Oh, yeah, I have seen it, and I, it goes back to NATO expansionism uh, ended up giving Putin the justification in his mind to invade Ukraine to start with. I think it goes back to the, to the coup that, uh, that we supported in 2014 of go. the democratically elected government. Rich, thank you. Merry Christmas. Appreciate your help. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.